Church, that idea and understanding of the Scriptures is one that makes you say, I can't wait to get there. All right? The great joy of heaven when uh, one sinner rejoices. I can't imagine the joy of heaven when one sinner comes home. Right? Praise God for that. That we are able to have the great blessing of our great God. Welcome to each of you who are here physically. Those of you who are online, thank you for uh, this opportunity to be here to worship tonight. Uh, our our God, thank you for being here uh, and taking your time to worship God. Let's please go together to God in prayer. Oh, great God and Heavenly Father, we do praise your holy and divine name. We love you so very much and thank you. Lord God, we understand that that we don't understand, but we do our very best. And we ask that you help us to grow in our faith, in our confidence, in our conviction, in our service, and our love for you. Help us, Lord God, tonight as we worship you, to, to keep our minds away from worldly thought, to focus on you, your word, your will, and your way, to remember your great son who died on that cruel cross of Calvary. Please watch over us, guide us, guard us, lead us, and direct us. Please deliver us from evil. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank you, if it be thy will. Amen. Tonight, um, the glory of God in prayer. Jesus came to the earth. He modeled for us a life totally dependent on the Father. And being limited creatures, we, we have to recognize that we too are totally dependent upon the Father. We need God's help. We need the help of God all the time. We are dependent on God for His grace, for His mercy. We are dependent upon God for life and death and all things. I want to go to Matthew chapter 6 because the Father's glory in, in the main purpose, the main purpose of the disciples' prayer. I'm calling it the disciples' prayer because it isn't the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer probably would be more like John 17. But anyway, uh, in this particular model prayer, the main purpose and end of this prayer is the glory of God. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. The Bible says, pray then in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. The glory of God is the eternal beauty of His Spirit. And the glory of God is is that, if you will, the invisible qualities of God made visible, if you want to say it in that way. But isn't it difficult? This is where all the confusion comes with the creation and, and everything about the earth and all that it, it possesses. For the finite mind to understand the infinite mind of God. Right? So, so here, here the finite mind looks to give glory to God, but there's this, this, um, this amazing amount of, of, of misunderstanding when we look at the intricate beauty of God. So we look at the creation from a finite perspective, but it came from the perfect and pure 
infinite mind of God. How do we put these two together? That's where our prom- our problem comes in, in giving God all of the glory. Because the glory of God sums, sums up all the attributes, all the, uh, the, the appearances, the, the interventions, if you will, the character traits of God. I mean, it, it sums everything up. And in the glory of God, it also means the light and, and the honor and the splendor and just everything. When you think of the glory of God, uh, you think about the knowledge of, of humans and, and the anatomy of the, the human body and, and what we kind of, what we kind of know, right? We know about the, 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 let me just give you the numbers that they say from a, from a medical perspective, if you will, the hundred trillion cells that it possesses, bones and, and, and DNA, X and Y chromosomes and bacteria and, and yet we still have a limited knowledge of the body. And then we think about, uh, if you will, uh, the world's, you know, robust microscope, right? The greatest microscope study reveals the atom and it, it splits in the, in the protons and, and, and neutrons and electrons. And then, and then what happens? And then it, it can split and, and form these quarks. And you go, wow. And yet we still have such a limited knowledge of the DNA cells of the world. When we study the ecosystem, Right? We start looking at, at that great splendor and the water and oxygen, periodic table of, of elements, and yet, yet we still have a very limited understanding of God. Turn, turn to Psalm 19. And when we look at God, we look at God in His, in His glory, and, and we find that we fall so far short. Psalm 19 beginning at verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the works of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. The line has gone out through the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them He has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of the chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run its course. Its rising is from one end of the, the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. There's nothing hidden from its heat. And yet we still know so little about the galaxies, the universe. The world's strongest telescope revealed to us information about astrology, the galaxies, the atmosphere. Where we study, we look up into the heavens and we're just mesmerized and amazed at, at cloud physics and lightning and, and atmospheric pressure and gravity, right? You just keep, and we're talking about the glory of God. And here we know all of these things, not in great detail, but we know all of these things. And yet we still have such limited knowledge. How do we, the finite, give glory to our great and amazing God who has put us in this Milky Way galaxy? They say there are hundreds of billions of stars in the one galaxy, but there's a hundred billion or hundreds of billions of galaxies. I don't know who counted that, right? But hundreds of billions of galaxies out there. And then you have light that travels at 186,000 miles per second. And just, how are we supposed to really truly give glory to God? And maybe that's part of the point. We have to remember our position and remember who we are. And to whom it is that we're speaking with as we're asking God.
Turn to Psalm, please, 139, to allow us to enter into his throne room, to pray to him, to pray before him. And who are we to complain to this wonderful and amazing, magnificent, infinite God? Have we figured that part out? Verse 13 of Psalm 139. For thou didst form many of my inward parts. Thou didst weave my, me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eye have seen my unformed substance. And in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as of yet there was not one of them. we got to remember that our known information about the universe is beyond our minds, right? We only understand a little fraction of it. You ever realize when you, when you uh, study the... Uh, we, a comparison, the moon and uh, and the ocean's floor. We know more about the moon than we do about the ocean's floor. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> we live here. <laughs> the glory of God. We're asking God, please turn to John chapter 1. We are asking God to allow us to enter into his presence when we come to God in Prayer. We are praying to a beautiful, perfect, wonderful, eternal God and Savior. So John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. His glory. Perfection. Perfection. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In Jesus Christ manifested, if you will, the glory of the Father in perfection. He came to the earth. He lived for God. He lived for us to save us. And he did it perfectly. Think about that. I mean, can you even imagine that? Think about that. He was perfect. Every word. Every thought. Every action, every reaction, perfect. The manifestation of the glory of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. John chapter 13. The glory of the Father was the continual focus of Jesus Christ while on the earth. So Judas Iscariot has um, prepared a plan. It was introduced to him. What what will you give me to, to give him to you? And he had several meetings. I want to pick up in verse 26 of John chapter 13. 
Jesus therefore answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son, excuse me, of, son of Simon Iscariot. And after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Jesus therefore said to him, What you do, do quickly. Now I want to show you the glory manifest, manifested, right? In the actions now of Jesus Christ. Verse 31. When therefore he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. So Jesus tells us that part of the glory of God, to glorify God, is not just in recognizing his splendor, for we fall so far short, but it's also in obeying the will of the Father in our lives. Okay? So there's a twofold understanding of glorification. We glorify all the splendor and the amazing, wonderful things of God. But we also recognize and do participate in the will of the Father in our lives. How does that relate to prayer? Right? I'm going to come back to that in just a second. John 17, beginning at verse 1. These things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven... He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son may glorify thee, even as thou gavest him authority over all mankind, that to all whom thou hast given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I glorified thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou has given to me. Verse 24, please. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. So, again, the glory of God is not just to recognize his blessings, all the things that we can see. But it's also to accomplish the work and the will of God in our lives. Look again at verse 4. Verse 4, John 17. I glorified thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. So watch how this works, if you will, in First Corinthians uh, chapter 3, regarding evangelism. We go out and we evangelize. We either plant the seed or water the seed. But listen to what God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants to whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, 
But each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. The question is, so what really is Apollos and what really is Paul? You planted a seed that was given to you from the Father. It was a dead seed. And God brought life into it. So really, what did you do? But give what God has given to you. Turn to Psalm 115. But in that, by giving to the world what God has given to us, we are participating in doing the very will of the Father, which brings glory to his name. Psalm 115, verse 1. The two aspects of the glory of God in prayer. Verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. Those two aspects, back to Matthew chapter 6, are this. That God's name be hallowed. That's thinking of God's uh, splendor and, and majesty and greatness. Uh, and, and the wonders of God, the things that we just can't even figure out or discover, and we think about those things. And that's where science gets off, right? Atheistic science, where, and agnosticism, where they can't figure it out, so they just say, well, instead of giving glory to God, we're just gonna say it can't exist. That's where they fall short. That's where we fall short, when we start saying, God, I don't know what you have in store for me, and we quit and we give up. Because we can't see what God can see. But to give glory to God means that you hallow his name and separate it out and you give credit to God even even for those things that we don't quite understand. Hallowed be God's name. The second part of it is doing the will of God. Participating in the will of God even through asking God to use us in a way that he sees fit. I'm going to come back to that one in just a second. Verse 9, Matthew chapter 6. Listen to the glory. Pray then in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. To understand that all of, of humanity, that and maybe I could, I could say it in this way, with a normal mind, would want the beauty of God in their lives. You, you know, the world, they're not too normal. <laughs> they don't want the beauty of God in their lives. When you, when you, when you are normal, you, you want the beauty of God in your life. When you stand in awe of God, you look out at the universe and the, you know, one thing I used to say about the sun, I look at the sun and I say, well, I didn't put that there. Right? So, it doesn't matter how it got there, I just know I didn't put it there and I couldn't put it there, so I have to give glory to God. Instead of saying, well, since I didn't put it there and, and I, and I don't know how it got there, I'm just not gonna believe it's there. Right? That's not normal, right? Normal is just to say, I didn't put it there, right? So I surrender. I surrender to the whoever that is, whatever the greatness is that put that there, the sun, the moon, and the stars. 
Then there's this motivation uh, to stand in awe of God, the will of God. Well, I would like, I would like the will of God, right? The world might say that uh, being or whatever they would say, but I, I would like the will of God who put the son there to happen in my life. That's normal, right? That's common sense. Someone said common sense died. I don't think so, but that's normal, right? In our prayers, that prayer is, Father, your will. First of all, Father who is separate, God who is separate, God, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is separate. And then that, that Godhead, the desire to have the Godhead in my life. Because here's, here's where the trouble comes. The trouble comes in Matthew 7, verse 7. This is what makes it difficult for some of us to, to truly give glory to God. Okay. Look at verse 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask him for a fish will he not give him a snake? Or he will give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask of him? So here's the second part. First part, we all agree, no problem at all. His splendor. We're limited. We got it. No problem. We got it. Thank you, God. How beautiful, how wonderful, how how amazing God is. And I, I get that. Thy will be done in my life, in heaven as it is on earth. Thy will be done. God kind of gets a bad rap. Because if I were to say, oh God, oh God, please let your will be done in my life. What do we normally think about? Oh, that means I'm going to suffer. Oh, that means we're going to have trials just to show the world that we give God a bad rap. See, that's the problem with giving glory to God. It's easy to give glory to God and hallow His name. But then they bring the second aspect of glory in by giving glory to God, by saying, God, use me in the way that you desire. You know that song, that old country song, Mother, don't let your children grow up to be preachers. It's not a real song, but the preachers always laugh about that. Don't let your children grow up to be servants of God because they're going to suffer. We're afraid of that part. We're afraid of the part of of doing the will of God and allowing God's will to enter into our lives. But what we think automatically is, here I am sick on my deathbed. Oh God, whatever your will is, but I don't want it to be death, right? Why why do we always go to the gloomy with God? Why is it always, but God's going to kill me if it's his will? That's what verse 11 is all about when he says, ask, seek, and knock. Listen to what God does. He has to plead his own case. Verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? 
God says, I have a plan for good in your life. Matthew chapter 18. And so, to do the will of the Father, to have the will of God in your life, using you as a vessel of honor, isn't going to the doom and the gloom, but rather understanding the true glorification of the Father. Allowing God to enter into your life. Full in abundance, God says, about our lives. Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does not leave the ninety and nine on the mountain and go and search for the one that is strange. If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety and nine which have not gone astray. Thus it will, excuse me, thus it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones perishes. God says, I don't want bad in your life. Turn to Second Peter, please, chapter 3. I don't want you to perish and suffer. I'm your father. I want good in your life. I want to uh, be allowed by you to enter into your life. Not just your prayer life. I want to be in your marriage. I want to be in with your children. I want to be in your life. It's not a bad thing. The will of God be done. The second aspect, the second part of prayer, if you will. Glory of God. The glory of God in our prayer. Your will be done in my life. Verse verse 9 of Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slack as some count slackness or slowness about His promise, but is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is willing to wait just a little bit longer. Right? He's willing to wait just a little bit longer for somebody else to repent and come to Jesus. The Lord is not slow about His promises, as some count slowness or slackness. God is not. He's patient. He's a patient Father. He's given me a chance to turn my life around. Oh God, let Your will be done in my life. Yeah, sometimes it may mean struggle. But it doesn't always mean struggle. John chapter 10. And this is where the trouble comes in giving glory to God in our prayer life. Where you, you'll hear it. Maybe, maybe you've said it. Someone is, is sick. And then we say, God, please help them to get better. You're your will be done. And then they get better. And what's the first thing that we say? God sure is good. What if they die? Is God still good? Right? You see, that's a scary part in our minds because we don't trust God fully. That, that God's will is going to be done regardless of what I think of Him or not. And so we should want God's will to happen in our lives. Whatever it may be, God use me. And in God using us, remember, there'll be tremendous blessings that will come along with it. We have to give the glory to God, even in our prayer life. God, use me. Your will be done 
in my life. I have to transfer my way of thinking, my will, my desires. I have to transfer them into God and say, God, you take these and make them your will and your desire however you see fit. Put all the pieces together and change and alter whatever is necessary for your will to be done, for you to be glorified in me. That's what Jesus said. I glorify thee on the earth. I'm not quite finished yet. Right? He was willing to delay that gratification until he got back home to be with the Father. Our work isn't finished until we get home. There's only one way to get home, brethren. <laughs> right? But while you're here, let God bless you in your life. John 10, listen to what he said in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When you go back to, to, to understanding shepherds, it's nice to be a sheep when you know the shepherd will fight the wolf for you. Now the wolves are going to come, whether you have a shepherd or not. But when you have the good shepherd, you know that they're going to fight the wolf to save your life. And so you can, as, as Psalm 23 says, you can, you can lay beside quiet waters, right? You'll be alright. I shall not want because God is my shepherd. Allow God's glory to be revealed in your life. Thy will be done. Let's go back and look at that. Matthew chapter 6. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we hallowed God. We talked about that already. Hallowing God's name. God is separate, right? Hagios, if you will. He's, in, he's holy. God is holy. And it's been always carried from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Kadosh, God is holy. Hagios, God is holy. God is a holy God. We serve a holy God. We got that, right? Why not allow our holy God to have his will and his way with me? Verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. This is Hebrew parallelism. Okay? Here's what God is, is, he's saying the same thing. He's saying that humanity will be in total, we know it's not talking about the church, right? That humanity would be in total submission to our great God as heaven is in great submission to our God. His will is always done in heaven is it always done in our lives so our prayer in bringing glory to God is God I pray that in this present tense throughout this continual action that your will is forever done in my life and that I manifest that that I show that to the world that I live in such a way that brings glory and honor Unto you, not unto me. In other words, I surrender my life to you. Maybe that means I can't do the things that I really want to do all the time. 
maybe those those desires that are in my heart that will lead me to sin. I ought to give those things up. To live for Jesus, to bring glory to God, not just through our prayer, is to have the will of God done in our lives and to actually ask Him, Dear God, please use me in the way that you see fit. And then trust Him. Right? And then trust Him. That is going to be good. Regardless of what it may be, it is going to be good. How many of us believe that? That's a real question. How many Christians really, truly believe that and are willing to bring glory to God in our prayer life? Matthew 26. This is what we think about. We think about this. In verse 39. Jesus. He went beyond them and fell on his face. Prayed saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but thine will be done. Oh, I, I know God wants me to suffer. Why don't we go to that verse and say that? Why don't we use that verse? Well, you see, I mean, look at, brethren, God says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, what do you think I'm going to give you? I'm your father. I am perfect. I am good. To glorify God in our prayers. It's not just through words. It's not just through words where we say, Father, hallowed be your name. And then we pray His will be done. But rather, it's through the words and the action that comes along with it and the inward desire to allow God to do His work in us. James chapter 4, we're going to close there. Do I have this desire um, and complete submission to the Lordship of Christ in my life? When I pray about matters in my life, um, am I am I willing to surrender everything to God? I mean, really, honestly, and truly, just just willing to surrender it so that God's will can be done on the earth. And when it comes to my prayer to God, I remember the first order of business is to submit my heart to God first. You know. I'll just uh, jump into a prayer, but rather to submit my heart to God in humble adoration and obedience and, and, and doing the will of God to surrender. James 4 and verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. Are you willing to glorify God in your prayers? First, hallow, separate, holy is God's name. Secondly, asking God for His will to be done in your life. These are the things, Lord God, that I desire, that I want. But I want your will to be in my life. And there are things that I don't even know what to ask about or ask for. But I want your will to be done in my life. And then when the door is open and the opportunity presents itself, 
please bless me to step through the door and be that shining beacon. Be that man that you want me to be or that woman that you want me to be. The lesson is yours tonight. If you would like to surrender to Christ, to Christ and baptism, contact us. We will study and we will make sure that happens. Uh, tonight, if you have prayer requests on your heart, on your mind, uh, contact us and we'll be praying for you uh, and praying with you in your situations of life. We praise God for you. We thank you for your time. Uh, God bless you. In a moment, we'll sing a song of invitation. Um, please meditate and think about your life and ask yourself, am I where God wants me to be? Thank you very much. God bless you.